Hey everyone, just a quick little reminder that the St. Dymphna's Playbook book is available now wherever you get your books and ebooks. If you head on over to Ave Maria Press's website and use the code BEWELL, all one word, you can get 25% off. Thanks so much. St. Gemma Galgani once said, Look, daughter, and learn how to love. And he showed me his five open wounds. Welcome to the 116th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth, and one in heaven. I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want us all to remember that suffering opens us up to be able to love those around us who are also suffering. It allows us to one day be able to create a community of support for those in need. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. With the news focused on the war in Ukraine and all the trauma that goes along with that, I thought it might be good to have a look at how we can cope with watching the situation unfold, how we can keep ourselves healthy as we pay attention to the crisis facing our sisters and brothers. We'll start with some thoughts from NBC News out of Jacksonville. It can be hard to pull yourself away from social media and not watch the situation in Ukraine, but doctors said at some point you have to unplug or even find a way to help. Dr. Christine Caulfield, the CEO of LSF Health Systems, said sometimes we don't notice how our intake of news affects us. Quote, when we're on social media and we're being bombarded with very negative news, carnage, death, destruction, fear and anxiety really heighten. We've been in a fearful state for the last two years and now an added fear of this world event, Caulfield said. As we're bringing this in on a regular basis and we don't give ourselves time to balance it out with joy and outside activities, it's really going to affect our mental health. One tip she shared to protect your mental health during this time is to connect with other people by getting or sharing support. If you're stressed about what's happening in Ukraine, she said, find organizations that are offering aid. She said it's also good to reach out to a professional counselor. So back to me. Now, of course, this isn't meant to compare our vicarious traumatization to what they're actually experiencing in Ukraine, but it is worth thinking about how to take care of our mental health as we watch all of those suffering, uh, just going through what they're going through, like we've never been able to watch before. And it starts with being honest with ourselves and our assessment of how it's all making us feel. I know personally the idea of nuclear war being threatened, even though it's unlikely, has drastically increased my anxiety, my stress, and it's impacted my ability to tolerate the normal frustrations of my daily life. So once we're honest with how it's really impacting us, we need to take concrete steps to make a difference. Unplugging during certain times, really spending time with those around us, talking and being present with them without screens, getting outside for walks in nature, and as mentioned, to be able to help out prayer, donating to reputable agencies that can help, fasting, all of these things can help us feel better because then we're not just passive observers, but we're taking action. And of course, we need to take some time to pray together for an end to the violence, for an end that shows the world that it was not stopped by military might, but by divine intervention. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you to Blessed Daniel Bratier. Born in 1876 in France, according to a French document called Chronology, a story from his childhood recounts that his mother asked him what he would like to be when he grew up, and Daniel's answer was, I won't be either a general or a pastry chef. I will be the Pope. His mother reminded him that to be Pope, he would first have to become a priest, and little Daniel piped up, well then... I'll become a priest. He made his first communion at age 10 and joined the minor seminary one year later. He joined the Congregation of the Holy Spirit in 1902, and after completing his novitiate, he was sent as a missionary to Senegal. He had a difficult time with his health there, spending six months in convalescence, and was eventually sent back to France in 1911 because of his poor health. Before leaving, he set, uh, spent some time at a Trappist monastery, the same monastery where St. Patrick had prepared for his evangelization of Ireland, and Daniel realized that he was called to a more contemplative life. He would later say, I lived unforgettable hours in the recollection of the cloister in an atmosphere of sacrifice and immolation, but the lack of sleep and especially the lack of food wore me down, and after a few days, I had to yield to the evidence I was not made for this kind of life. He would go on to serve as volunteer chaplain during World War I, helped work with orphans after the war. He dedicated his work to two aims, to save the most poor and unfortunate, and to dedicate those efforts to the intercession of St. Therese. He tried to make money by creating films to get financial support for his work, including a film about the war and the life of St. Therese, and he died in 1936. 15,000 Parisians attended his funeral. What an amazing saint and an amazing example of thinking that we know what we want and then having to cope with the unexpected change that comes when we realize the life we selected wasn't right for us. It takes trust, hope, and courage, and Blessed Daniel had all of that. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. Blessed Daniel, your obedience in the wide-ranging work that you did shows me the need to follow wherever my Father calls. Please pray for me in all my efforts. Amen. And now, you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Kelsey gets us started. Have you done any episodes yet about how to talk with someone going through trauma, both adults and teens? I work in the front office of a school, so I'm not dealing with the situation directly. But for example, I know why a child is in the office, and sometimes they sit next to my desk while the principal or counselor talk with their parents. Some uh, Same with one of our teachers. She's going through some tough mental health issues, and she shared with me what's going on. I want to honor the space, but also not pretend like nothing is happening. Well, let's start by joining in prayer for Kelsey. Kelsey, for those individuals she mentioned, and everyone currently going through traumatic events in their lives, for safety, peace, and healing. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
Thank you so much for sending in this question and taking the time to think about how you can help those you encounter in your daily life who might be experiencing trauma. So we'll start with some thoughts from mind.org.uk. Listen to them. That's the first thing. Give them time. Let them talk at their own pace. It's important not to pressure or rush them. Focus on listening. Accept their feelings. Don't blame them or criticize their reactions. Use the same words they use. Don't dismiss their experiences. And only give advice if you're asked to. Back to me. It's so important to remember that everyone reacts and responds to the experience of trauma in their own way. You can't predict how someone might feel. You can't judge them and think they aren't letting out enough emotions or that they're crying too much, right? You have to accept them wherever they're at without judgment, without trying to fix things. We'll look at the National Child Traumatic Stress Network for thoughts on talking to teens who've experienced trauma. So some traumatic events can lead to fear, shame, and guilt. Encourage your teen to talk about the event, including the way his or her life has been affected since the event happened and the ways that things have remained the same. To help your teen resolve feelings of guilt, discuss how uh, to more accurately tell the difference between things he or she is responsible for and things he or she is not. Adolescents exposed to trauma may feel self-conscious about their emotional reactions and worry about how these feelings make them different from their peers. Encourage your teens to express his or her feelings about the event to you and be su- supportive and don't criticize. Help your teen work through feelings of unfairness, shame, guilt, anger, revenge. Experiencing a traumatic event can cause a radical shift in a way that the teen sees the world. Recognize that teens may act out or behave in self-destructive ways in an attempt to express their emotions. Helping your teen to come up with constructive alternatives will lessen his or her feelings of helplessness. Learn to recognize that your teen's reminders of the traumatic event, uh, learn to recognize what those reminders are, as they may lead to a loss of emotional support or behavioral control. Be there to offer support when he or she is reminded of the event and becomes upset. If the event affected your whole family, be open about the strains it has placed on the relationships between family members. Each person in your family will have experienced the event in a different way, with a different reaction. Be honest about your own difficulty with the event and get help for yourself if necessary. Now, I know some of this will be different because you're talking about being in a front office situation, but hopefully there's little pearls in there to help you be able to interact when possible and when appropriate with the folks in the office. And back to me again. Last, as always, be willing to offer to assist people with getting connected to help if they're interested. Reaching out for and connecting to help can be overwhelming, even in the best of times. And when we're living with the symptoms related to experiencing trauma, it can be downright impossible. Offer to help navigate the system, call the numbers with them, and make sure they have a way to get to the care they need. Angela is up next. Now that it's more acceptable to talk about being abused and abuse in general, how can we support those in our lives who have or are currently experiencing some form of abuse? Let's start by joining together in prayer for everyone experiencing abuse, either in the past, the present, for healing, safety, and justice. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. 
I feel so blessed that you've asked this question. We absolutely have to support those in our lives who have experienced or are experiencing abuse, and it's so vital that we talk about it. First, let me say, if you're experiencing domestic abuse, you can call 800-799-7233 for help 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Everyone deserves relationships free from violence, and they can help. If you or someone you know is experiencing child abuse, please visit childhelphotline.org to find the best way to access help based on where you live. And if you or someone you know is experiencing elder abuse, know that you can call 855-500-3537 for connection to someone who can help 24-7 as well. Now, as to how we can help someone who is experiencing abuse, I'm going to get some thoughts from womenshealth.gov to point us in the right direction, and this is related mostly to domestic violence. Each situation is different, and the people involved are all different too. Here are some ways to help a loved one who is being abused. Set up a time to talk. Try to make sure you have privacy and won't be distracted or interrupted. Visit your loved one in person, if possible. Let her know that you're concerned about her safety. Be honest. Tell her about the times when you were worried about her. Help her see that abuse is wrong. She may not respond right away, or she may even get defensive or deny the abuse. Let her know that you want to help and will be there to support her in whatever decision she makes. Be supportive. Listen to your loved one. Keep in mind that it may be very hard for her to talk about the abuse. Tell her that she's not alone and that people want to help. And if she wants help, ask her what you can do. Offer specific help. You might say you're willing to just listen, to help her with childcare, to provide transportation, for example, just specific things. Don't play shame, blame, or guilt on her. Don't say, you just need to leave. Instead, say something like, I get scared thinking about what might happen to you. Tell her you understand that her situation is very difficult. Help her make a safety plan. Safety planning might include packing important items and helping her find a safe word. This is a code word that she can use to let you know she's in danger without an abuser knowing. It might also include agreeing on a place to meet her if she has to leave in a hurry. Encourage her to talk to someone who can help. Offer to help her find a local domestic violence agency. Offer to go with her to that agency, to the police or to court. If she decides to stay, continue to be supportive. She may decide to stay in the relationship, or she may leave and then go back many times. It may be hard for you to understand, but people stay in abusive relationships for many reasons. Be supportive no matter what she decides to do. Encourage her to do things outside the relationship. It's important for her to see family and friends. If she decides to leave, continue to offer help. Even though the relationship was abusive, she may feel sad and lonely once it's over. She may also need help getting services from agencies or community groups. Let her know that you will always be there no matter what. It can be very frustrating to see a friend or loved one stay in an abusive relationship, but if you end your relationship, she has one less safe place to go in the future. You cannot force a person to leave a relationship, but you can let them know you'll help whatever they decide to do. And back to me, pray for those suffering abuse in addition to reaching out to help them. Prayer is so powerful, and it can't be left aside when we're doing all of this other great work. Anonymous wraps us up. Are there any saints who had grown up in psychologically destructive, socially isolated households? Let's start by praying for everyone experiencing this type of difficult trauma, for healing, peace, and justice, and for a connection to the saints that gives them hope, as well as a connection to supportive individuals and groups who can walk with them on their journey. Hail, Holy Queen, 
Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy toward us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O holy mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. Thank you for the question, and thank you for looking to the saints to find hope. Let's talk about St. Germain Cousin. We'll start with some thoughts from Alatea. Germain Cousin was born in 1579 near Toulouse in France. When she was only four years old, the plague took her caring mother. Her father, Laurent Cousin, married a woman named Armande de Rojos. Germain's new stepmother hated the child from the moment she first saw her, and the abuse of Germain began immediately. Armande's hatred for the child was such that she would not even allow her to stay inside the house. Germain was forced to sleep in the barn. She quickly became the shepherdess, tending the sheep in the fields. The area was infested with wolves, and she lived in constant fear that the wolves might kill her, especially at night. She was virtually forbidden to come inside the house and to have contact with her own family. Amazingly, her father never defended or protected her, and even the siblings began mistreating her. How a child could withstand such abuse is hard to fathom. Her life was one of loneliness and neglect. She began to offer her hunger and pain from malnourishment up to God. And she would take the meager amounts of bread she received and share it with the poor even though she was virtually starving. Miracles began to surround Germain. There was a stream nearby which had to be crossed to get to morning mass, and when it rained, which was often, the stream would turn into a rushing river and become dangerous as the waters began to surge and sweep violently through the valley. Several times, people witnessed Germain standing and praying with outstretched hands, and the waters parted, letting her pass across. Another time, she brought extra bread for, uh, that she had saved, wrapped in her apron to give to the poor, but her stepmother followed her in the hopes of showing people how she stole from the family. After catching up to Germaine, she made her open the apron of her, uh, in front of the townsfolk. The only thing that tumbled out was summer flowers in the midst of winter, and people suddenly realized that this young woman was someone special. Sick and malnourished, Germaine Cousin was found dead in the barn, lying on a stack of twigs when she was 22 years old, and she lived in that barn for 17 years. When her body was exhumed 40 years later, it was found to be fresh and perfectly intact. It was proven that it had not been embalmed or treated in any way. St. Germain is absolutely someone who uh, has experienced growing up in a psychologically and socially isolated and abusive household and someone whose God's grace shined through her tragic and traumatic story. She's in heaven right now, standing before God, ready to intercede on behalf of anyone experiencing abuse, isolation, and psychological harm. And let's all ask for her prayers for everyone especially those experiencing abuse, and let's keep turning back to her to find a friend in the midst of suffering. And as we mentioned earlier, if you're someone, if you or someone you know is experiencing child abuse, please visit childhelphotline.org to find the best way to access help based on where you live. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in a future episode. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. And until next time, 
go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you, and so will St. Dymphna.